Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. How do we apply the wisdom of Judaism to our lives? Our weekly podcast will give you practical advice about how to apply the timeless wisdom of Judaism to your life. Our show will enrich your journey and help you find deeper meaning. We'll offer you timely insights based on the Parsha of the Week, current events, the Jewish year, and much more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. It's great to have you with us here tonight. This week, we're, we're wrapping up Sefer Bamidbar in the laning on Shabbos. And as we do that, I want to explore our relationship with Eretz Israel. Are the Jews indigenous to the land of Israel? In modern times, I believe, we tend to extend a lot of legitimacy to self-identity. A person's feelings or their choice to identify in a certain way is, of course, paramount. And it's understood as a valid determination of who you are. For example, if you identify as a Jew, then you are seen as a Jew. And our Parsha, of course, outlines the biblical borders of Israel. It is hard for me to think of a people that identify more deeply with a land than the Jewish people identify with the land of Israel. And yet, in spite of that, it's actually common in modern culture to question the connection between the Jewish people and the land of Israel and that Jewish link. But it's honestly hard to think of a, of a link that's more ancient. I mean, read the Tanakh, read the Bible, from Avram to Yehoshua, from David to Eliyahu, Yechezkel to Ezra, all of Tanakh literally centers around the land of Israel. And it's a link, of course, that continued in all subsequent generations when some Jews remained in the land and many Jews were in Galut, in the times of the Mishnah, the times of the Shulchan Aruch, and of course to modern days. Every Jewish generation really in all times, no matter where we have been, have seen the land of Israel really at the center of our identity. And that's why these days are so exciting. I wanted to share with you that in the fall of 1948, after the fall of, uh, excuse me, after the establishment of Israel, I meant to say, Golda Meir went to visit Moscow. And it was not far from Kiev, where she was uh, born and where she uh, was raised for the very early years of her childhood. And this was a time, of course, that Stalin believed that he had completely uh, indoctrinated the Jewish people. He believed that he had succeeded in stamping out the, any national consciousness of the Jews. And yet, in spite of that fact, Golda Meir describes in My Life, her, her book, My Life, how there was a solitary synagogue in that city. And she actually was scheduled to uh, attend a Rosh Hashanah service there. And her arrival was announced. <clears throat> and when she came, Jews filled the streets outside the synagogue, literally thousands of Jews. And she's just surrounded by thousands of people. This is in 1948. And this is, listen to what she writes in her biography, she, uh, in her autobiography. She writes, I felt as though I were caught up in a torrent of love so strong that it had literally taken my breath away and slowed my heart. I was on the verge of fainting. The crowd surged around me, stretching out its hands, saying, Our Golda, 
and shalom. The people that Stalin indoctrinated believed that Golda Meir, the, the woman, who, who the, a daughter of Russia who represented the Jewish state, was someone they had to connect with, they had to touch. And that's how deeply Jews in Russia felt about the state of Israel in 1948. Their connection to the land of Israel was not distinguished by Stalin. It was not distinguished by 2,000 years in exile. And yet we know that the Jewish connection is constantly challenged with accusations, for example, that Israel is not legal. And sometimes, sadly enough, even Jews join the fray a little bit. For example, there was a reform rabbi who posted on Twitter last week stating that the that Jews are not indigenous to the land of Israel. And sadly, of course, his tweet got over 10,000 likes. Well, what does it mean to be indigenous? And if the Jews are indigenous to the land of Israel, well, what does that mean for people like us who who are living outside the land? Well, I wanted to point out to you that since the conquest of Joshua, Yehoshua, There has been a continual presence of Jews in the land of Israel. Sefer Bamidbar took place before Yehoshua conquered the land. And Bamidbar really is a book about crises. It's a book about all of the crises that unfolded within the land of Israel. I'm sorry, outside of the the land of Israel. I think the greatest crisis uh, of that book by Midbar is really the episode of the Miraglim, the spies, which really is a, it's a crisis really that causes the Jewish people to be separated from the land of Israel. And of course, during these three weeks, we, we sort of commemorate or relive that, that sense of separation. Another crisis in the book related to the land of Israel is that Moshe will not enter the land of Israel as a result of the waters of strife, the Meimariva, Another crisis related to the land of Israel. B'nai God and B'nai Ruven ask Moshe permission to go on to the, the, and, and dwell on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And Moshe is taken aback by this proposal because it will potentially undermine the conquest of the land. And those are some of the crises. A highlight of the Sefer occurs when people express a love for the land of Israel, like Benot Salafchad, the daughters of Salafchad, who express their love of the land of Israel when they express their desire to, uh, to take their father's portion. And it's also important to note that this Sefer is also filled with mitzvot that pertain to the settlement of the land of Israel. In fact, at the end of the Sefer in our Parsha, Masay, the Torah states that you shall possess the land and you shall settle in the land because I have given you the land to settle. And the Ramban, the Nachmanides, actually, in his commentary in Chumash, writes that this mitzvah to settle the land, which is in our Parsha, is actually one of Taryag. It's one of the 613 mitzvot of the Torah. And the Ramban explains a very fascinating thing. The Ramban says that if the Jewish people were to, let's say, seek out another land, let's say they were to go to let's say they were trying to make plans to go to Bavel or Assyria, then that would be a transgression of the mitzvah to settle in the land of Israel. And so we have this focus here on the land of Israel and throughout Tanakh, whether it's in the earliest days of Avraham and Lech Lecha or in our Parsha looking towards that, 
that time that we will finally make it to Eretz Yisrael. And it's, it's a focus that just pervades Jewish life so much. You know, the, I think about the golden age of Spain when Rav Yehuda Levi poetically expressed in one of the keynotes that we're about to read on Tisha B'Av, he wrote about how he was just longing to roll in the dust of Israel, and he was longing to kiss, to, kiss its stones. And of course, for him, it wasn't just poetry, and he, he, he actually did it. And, you know, he, there was no El Al in those days. He, he picked up his, his life, and he moved to Israel. And it, it's actually, we're not certain what happened, but it's said that he died in the process. The Ramban, whose commentary we recently, we just mentioned, also, at, in, a, in that a little bit before Rabbi Yudalevi, also made Aliyah to Israel at the end of his life, leaving behind everything that he had. And it's just a story throughout history. Uh, in my own family's history, I know that my wife, uh, so her, um, her uh, great aunt, Sima, from Brisk, actually uh, made Aliyah to Israel. And she left Brisk as a, as a penniless woman like a, over 100 years ago. And she arrived to Israel, and she's buried there today um, on Harazetim in the Mount of Olives. And so the Jewish people have a homeland, and it's, it's a land that's really exalted above other lands. And, you know, we might be in Oregon, and we might be eating bread that is grown from wheat that was made in Kansas or Nebraska. But every day when we eat bread and we bench, we, we think about and talk about the land of Israel because it's really the land that shapes our identity. It's a land that we come from. It's a place we go back to. But Israel really speaks to our identity, who we are and our identity as Jews. And so that's an important thing to understand, because if it shapes our identity wherever we are, what is it? What is it about this land that is, that is, so, that is so critical? And I, I think we need one thing that we, we, should, we should do um, is really uh, take a look at, at what the Torah uh, says about this. Um, there's a, a, a very important passage in the 11th chapter of Devarim. Uh, the Torah says over there that when you come to the land of Israel to possess it, it's not like the land of Egypt, that when you planted your seed in Egypt, you would water it on foot like a vegetable garden. For the land of Israel, that you're going over the Jordan to possess it, it's a land of hills and valleys. Lematar hashemayim tishtamayim. By the rains of heaven will you drink water in the land of Israel. And the Ramban, Nachmanides, again commenting on this, suggests that the challenges of Israel force us to look up to Hashem. Egypt is easy, you know. Egypt is kind of, it's a vegetable garden, right? It's not, it's not a difficult thing. But Israel has various challenges, and those challenges, challenges force us to pray. And it's, a, it's a, a point that really emerges very clearly as the passage continues. The Torah says that it's a land that Hashem is doresh ota. Hashem seeks it out. Ene Hashem tamid ba. God's eyes are constantly upon it. Mereshis Hashanah, from the beginning of the year until year's end, the Almighty is constantly seeking out the land of Israel. And there are various interpretations about that. Namely, that the land of Israel is a place through which God judges and looks at the whole sum of humanity. 
But when, when we stand back from this as Jews and we really ask ourselves, well, why is it that Israel is superior? What really is it about Israel that's, that's different? Does it have the best crops? Does it have the best wine? Is it the best vacation spot? And really, what Israel is, is the place that especially made for us to succeed in our national mission of Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkeinu, Hashem Echad. It's the place where we succeed the most in our, in our national mission of knowing God. And it's a place where we take steps forward in our lives to really get to know our creator. Our rabbis point out that when Yonah, the prophet, wanted to, to run away from God, well, how do you run away from God? You leave Israel. Yonah had to, had to leave the land of Israel. He had to get in a boat from Yafo, Tel Aviv, and go to Tarshish, because Israel is the land of prophecy. And so that's, that's what he did. And so that's the land that forms our identity. But are we indigenous to the land of Israel? We, of course, can ourselves take the time to answer that question, because the UN, on its website, lists a number of characteristics of, indi- of peoples who are indigenous to a land. And so I'll tell you about five of those characteristics. Number one, people who are indigenous are people that, a, a people that have self-identification as being indigenous. That's number one, self-identification as being connected to the land. Number two, a, 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 a group of people that have historic continuity with a piece of land. Number three, a group that has strong links to the territories of that land, people that remain linked to that land for a long time. Number four, people that a people that has a distinct language and culture and beliefs that grows in that land and, and is, is unique to that people and those territories. And fifth, of course, is the resolve to be and remain a distinct people, not to want to be uh, subsumed into another group of people. And so, of course, when we think of all of these things, they apply immaculately to the Jewish people. When it comes to self-identification, Jews have always identified deeply with the land of Israel. The very name Jew is Yehudi. It comes from the land of Yehuda that we are identified with. In fact, if you read Megillat Esther, so Mordechai is referred to both as a Yehudi, but he is also referred to as Ishimini. He's referred to as coming from the land of Benjamin. Jews were always referred to through vis-a-vis the land of Israel. Um, do Jews have historic continuity with the land of Israel? Well, yes, but only for 3,400 years. Um, do we have a link to the territories of Israel? Well, Consider this, every single Jewish community in all of history, whether they were in Morocco, Morocco or Babylonia or, or in New York, always prayed in the direction of Israel. Every, every dwelling of Jews that has ever been in exile has always looked in that direction. And of course, Jews have always had distinct language and culture and beliefs, all of which are integrally related to the land. And finally, of course, we do have a resolve to be a distinct people and to dwell into the land of Israel. And so to suggest that the Jewish people are not indigenous to the land of Israel is ignorant and ludicrous. On a political level, it's important that we are aware of this 
because we need to know the truth if we want to have real peace. Tonight's focus is not so much the politics, it's more our personal um, identity, but the, the political aspect, of course, arises, and people want to uh, ignore the truth because it's just fashionable to regard Israel as an aggressor vis-a-vis -vis the victims, the perceived victim, the, the Palestinians. Now, on a more subtle level, uh, people argue that, you know, Israel should not take this step or that step forward because various world powers that be will not accept it as being legitimate. Now, the problem with that argument is, is that surely whatever Israel does, the world powers, powers will brand as illegal and as illegitimate. And so the idea is, well, don't do X because the world powers will consider it illegitimate is really not a meaningful argument. Now, I, I don't want to get into the complexity of a, of a current issue like annexation. And truthfully, it's not an issue that I've personally studied in depth uh, recently. But, I, but let me just say in very broad terms, I think this, that Israel and its leaders really need to look very deeply at what is truly right for Israel and for its long-term future and make the decision based on that. And of course, whatever decision Israel takes, of course, they're going to be der derided as illegitimate and as illegal. That's a classic argument against the state of Israel, and it cannot be the basis for, uh, for important steps forward that Israel makes that is, are needed to secure its future. On a more personal level, though, the land of Israel defines us as a people wherever we are. And we have to embrace our identity as that people that we are indigenous to a land where in that soil we grow to know Hashem. And we're actually living in a society today in America and in much of the Western world where young people are often taught that God is outdated by modern advances in science. And of course, we know that our peoplehood is our connection to Hashem. And, and Israel is really the fertile soil where we grow in, in that connection. It's an identity that we carry with us in all places. And so as a, if you're a Jew, you need to know that you are a part of a people that is indigenous to a land. And the characteristic of that land is about connecting you to Hashem. And so wherever you are, discover the meaning of your life through the land of Israel, through the land that God's eyes are upon from year's beginning to year's end.